Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're getting at it a little bit late this Wednesday evening. We're going to hit you with a recap early, news and notes, and then follow it with this week's card. So let's start with the recap before we get you know too far down the line. In UFC Vegas 48, I'm being told in the earpiece, uh, yeah, 48, Walker versus Hill. Pretty good card altogether. I think that we were – I know, Dan, that we were worried because we didn't really know what – like for even our ankle locks, we weren't sure, and we didn't see that many betting opportunities. I know you placed only one. But all and in that all, was actually, shaky. Yeah, and that was shaky at times. But all in all, it ended up being a good card, in my opinion at least. Yeah, fun to watch for sure. Yeah. And we both went green, which obviously we were very much in the business of. And our ankle mm-hmm. lock hit, bringing us to what? Four and one and plus how many? Four and unis? one, 16.25 unis. On a four-fight win streak. Yeah, we dropped the first one because Giga choked it. So we're going to start with someone that you're already familiar with if you listen to the podcast frequently because our – the guy we're going to talk about after him mentioned him, but Mario Batista, he was on a two fight skid uh, since joining the UFC and he got a fight against Jay Perrin, a guy who was making his UFC debut. Batista looked incredible to me. I, it was this a uh, Kobe. Did he get a bonus Batista? No, no bonus yeah. here. He, he looked phenomenal to me. This is a guy that I'm tracking now for the future. I mean, he was vicious with his knees, vicious in the clinch. And Parent really had no breathing room whatsoever. Yeah, he closed around a minus 365 favorite, and he showed it all in the octagon. I mean, he deserved that price. Um, yeah. Not a whole lot to add. I'll be, I'll be also looking out for him in the future as a prospect. Yeah, and a good parlay, too, uh, was, that, was the Jonathan Pierce, Mario Batista that we teased after Pierce mentioned him on the podcast, and obviously we're always going to ride with Pierce, too. So that would have been a, a good, I think, close to even money or something. But yeah, Batista looked great. So next next fight on the card was Jonathan Pierce. He was slated to be a little bit higher and then it kind of reshuffled the card, but you know, for a guy who came on here and vocalized about how he felt really good about this fight, he had great moments. He really did. But Christian Rodriguez, man, I think the the big takeaway is he's a lot better than everyone kind of expected including Pierce. Well, we talked about his chokes and we talked about how the team up at um, Rufus sport had had been, had been commending a lot of different parts of his game. And there were parts of that fight that I thought Pierce was going to go out that I thought Pierce was not defending, not passing as well as he should have been. Um, and I got sh- I got nervous there. This, as Reese alluded to, was my only bet of the night. I got it pretty early in the week, right before we interviewed Jonathan about his change in opponent. Um, but still, I don't think that he performed to the price tag. I hate to say it. Oh, that, I mean, that price was so inflated, though. And it was hard for Vegas to really get a number 
with with the different opponent changes in short notice. I mean, his wrestling moments absolutely warranted the price tag. It was just a lot else that was thrown at him during that fight. A lot of the striking and just how much he's going to have to use that gas tank too. But all in all, I got the win. 30-27, and I think a couple 29-28. couple 29-28. Yeah. I personally gave him a 30-27. I thought that even though he was getting tagged and had to kind of really dig deep, he went all three rounds with a lot of top control. And before we hit the record button, we were also talking about just how we all feel like this Christian Rodriguez win is going to age really well. Right now, 7-0, undefeated. It, it, it didn't have the you know, the overall, like, wow, what a win type thing. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be an easier fight for him. Well, I think we did this, talk about how this guy's a natural 135, and I think he'll yeah. have a, a, a good name for him at 135. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. He's he'll, he'll definitely have a lot better chance of, like, getting to his feet and getting to the cage because Jonathan Pierce is, like, closer to 155, um, which is crazy. So we had a finish in the next fight up. Chad, Chad and Hellinger versus Jesse Strader. I mean, this fight for me wasn't on my radar. It ended up being a lot better of a fight than I initially anticipated for sure. But I mean, it, it ended in a KOTKO, a nice little counter left and then some ground and pound. I mean, all, all in all, it was a phenomenal fight for action, but neither of these guys are really on my radar as something that like we need to keep a close eye on. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was pretty cool just because I had straighter up going to the third. Um, mm. But yeah, neither of you guys are so much on my radar. Yeah. Um, moving our way up the card. So Chess Skelly's a guy who's been a veteran of the sport for a long time. Took on Mark Striegel, a guy who looks the part a little bit more than I think he is the part. But it ended up in a so Chess had a tough first round, if I remember correctly, and he ended up getting the finish. Uh, it was a really nice knee, and then finished off with a nice TKO. And he mentioned that this there's a chance this is the last time we ever see him. He said his body's just not holding up how he likes to, and that retirement's definitely on the horizon whether he gets one more or not. But I think it's just worth noting. I mean, it was a phenomenal finish, but also just really the fact that he, he was so vocal about the, the type of, of issues he's having in training. Yeah, and it's just a shame that uh, he had that three-year layoff. I know he was scheduled against Dawson, Emmers, Trezano, maybe even a couple more. But um, even in that Emmers fight like a year ago, that was where Emmers had the backstab back spasms as they were about to make the walk yeah. it's a shame that we didn't get to see the uh fight more yeah especially because it's like when you're 27 and you have a couple year layoff okay you know you can train in the gym but when you're 33 34 it's really tough to take that long of of a time off and, and continue the career trajectory you were on um okay so thankfully dan we were between a lot of ankle locks for those who listened last week this is the only one that would have missed. And, and thankfully we laid off, but there was a really, it was a beautiful arm bar by Stephanie Egger, a girl that I usually look at as a striker. Um, she, she finished Jessica Rose Clark in the first round. We were eyeing the over. I actually officially did place the over like an absolute fish, but, but the arm bar was just tremendous. I, I, I thought it was set up beautifully, especially because Jessica Rose Clark is far from like an amateur. You know what I mean? She's a veteran of the game. And the throws, Dominic Cruz pointed it out super, mm -hmm. super, I mean, obviously. But the second that Jessica Rose Clark was leading with that right hit, that opened the throw up for Egger, and, and she was just able to capitalize on that twice in the last, like, minute of the round. 
Um, and then transition that into like a really, really slick arm bar rolling through the sweep. And it was just fun to watch. Yeah, there's a lot to take away from this fight just as as Eggers' career trajectory goes. Because, I mean, you know, we talk about how the women's divisions can be kind of thin, 135. The, the cha- there's a new champ up there, a, a more beatable champ to a lot of people thinks, or a lot of people's, like, uh, a lot of people's opinions. So, you know, this is something that she's clearly improved fight over fight, especially after fighting Tracy Cortez. So I think it's worth monitoring her because her stand-up we know is there. And like you said, those throws are phenomenal. Okay, this is another one. That was a 50K armbar for Stephanie Egger. Yeah, well-deserved, in my opinion, yeah. So this, Dan, was another ankle lock we were toying between. Uh, David Onama, a guy who who trains with James Krause over in Kansas City, got a a standing KO, TKO, just the precision. I remember I stood up when it happened and just said the precision was insane. I mean, he didn't miss one. Um, against Gabriel Benitez, Mowgli. We looked at this one. I played this one straight, not tracked. We teased it for a lock, though, um, but it was a phenomenal performance from Onama, although although he had some, some issues himself before piecing it together and getting that finish. Especially with defending that calf kick. It felt like, um, felt like Benitez was able to really slow him down in the first, or in the first couple minutes of the first, before he was able to kind of get on that front foot and just start landing, like you said, with so much accuracy. I think the last 20 shots landed and it felt like he was just tracking him down like a sniper and just did not let up. It was hard for Benitez to move his head and just move move himself into one and the lights went out. Yeah, and Onama is a guy who's known for his kickboxing and stand-up, so having that compromised leg. And then Benitez is a guy who... Although he's had his struggles recently, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy who's better at chopping at those calves. Um, I mean, there are some, like Gaethje, but you know what I mean. He, he, he works that a lot and often. And so a great learning experience from Onama, a guy who's young in the game. And all in all, great performance, great finish, phenomenal. He actually was the last leg of a parlay. I didn't end up taking him straight. It was a Mario Batista, Jonathan Pierce, and David Onama parlay. So he was the last leg. And that leg, same so- parlay. Oh, there you go. It was a great one. So, but it was and fifty k for Onama. Also, Benitez missed weight, so Onama took home Benitez. What is it like thirty percent or seventy percent of Benitez's fight pay? I don't remember exactly. Oh, that's a payday. Oh, Huge. that's a payday. Yeah. Wow. Um, Hopefully, he's investing that into some UFC strike. Yeah. Some uh, some Ilya Tapuria's. If you're listening to this, get your Ilya Tapuria's now because th- there will be no more listed on the marketplace after Danny and I get our hands on them. Um, okay, so we are officially making it to the main card. So that David Onama was the, the prelim capper. Main card was really where it took off. I think four of the five fights were tremendous. First one being the split decision between Joaquin Buckley and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. News came out that Al-Hassan actually broke his rib in that fight, which is crazy. But it was, I mean, this is one that Got Dan pinned. Dan pinned is as over one and a half with the range with them respecting their range and maybe working in the clinch and, and you drilled it, Dan, it, it went exactly how you said it. Just as far as pacing goes, definitely expected to be a slug fest, but both these guys are, are clearly respecting each other. I, I thought it was a good fight. Yeah, definitely. I had it for Abdul. I didn't so much think it was a robbery, but um, 
I didn't, I didn't so much agree. I, I obviously split could have gone either way. Yeah. I'm not up in arms about it. To me, it was just a whatever fight too. I mean, I think both these guys are very similar stylistically and at 185, because they're so strong, they usually, they're like a William Knight. They give up size. And so it's like their body frames are meant for like 70, but because they're just jacked off their asses, they're like closer to 205. So it'll be tough for them to be anything more than kind of what they are, where it's, it's anything can happen. Don't look away, but I, I don't necessarily see them touching gold. Buckley right. Had, I mean, uh, what Buckley had the Detroit self-defense mm. guru, Dwayne yeah. Brown in his corner. It was, it was kind of tough to take him seriously when I saw that. Yeah. Undefeated UFC coach, Dwayne Brown. I also saw the funniest meme where it said it was a picture of him standing next to Buckley looking confused. And it said, when you apply for a job and lie on your resume, <laughs> just the guy who looks so confused. So that was, I, I did get a chuckle out of that. Okay. So we were talking. I about, do. I really up? do want to comment. Uh, what a fall from grace we've seen from Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I remember recording before this Munier Lazez fight. And we were all saying, Alhassan by murder. He then dropped three in a row, got the Alessio de Chirico in 17 seconds, but he's really had only what, like a couple minutes of winning fights in, the, in his last yeah. five. It's, it's sad to see from a guy that I, is so physically talented. I think it really is just people figuring out that if you stand in the pocket with him, you're probably going to lose. But if you stay patient and work your game, I mean, he's had fatigue issues. He's had movement issues. He's had a, a lot of different issues that are that is beatable if you can stay patient. Chaz Scully, we mentioned, retired at 36 or was, was fainting or talking about retirement, teasing retirement at 36, said his body's not holding up. Someone who doesn't have that issue and, and has talked about Lyme disease is and, and his issues with that is Jim Miller, dude. This dude is 39 years old. And he's knocking out Nicholas Mata, second round KO, right hook to ground strikes. Dude, he looked so fucking good again. Is this man ageless? I know he said he's his goal is to make it to UFC 300. Um, I scored and, the and, first round for Mota, I got to be honest. But yeah, Jim looked great and he gave him a lesson of just veteran octagon ship. You say it all the time. Experience is the currency that we use in this handicapping game. And it, Jim Miller showed it. No, for sure, 10-9 Moda, but for in the first for me as well. It's more just like how he looked. You would never guess he's 39. I mean, he I mean the gray beard gives it away, but but you never guessed it the way he's moving and the way he's he's striking still, staying in the pocket and the power. You just wouldn't you wouldn't guess it. And I don't know. I just Jim Miller's a guy that I've watched the entire time I've been into the sport. And I remember he said, oh, UFC 200 might be my last event. This Lyme disease is killing me. Changed his diet, worked out, changed his mindset, has talked a lot about it. Very inspirational story, in all honesty. And now he's looking at UFC 300. It's just, I, I love Jim. So I love cool. me some Jim Miller. Yeah. I'm a Can I fan. attempt a verbal meme? Sure. It's the multiple Spider-Man meme. Like a, we got like 15 Spider-Mans all pointing at each other. Yeah, and it's graphics. every single MMA account on Twitter all saying Jim Miller is that dude. Yeah. Because that's the only thing that was on Twitter after Jim Miller got a knockout. No, for sure. It's I love it. It's insanity. So if, if you're for all those listening, that's a that's a visual meme for you. We're dropping memes like crazy. 
Dan, you liked Parker Porter here at the minus line. I know you teased that idea. You fainted that idea. Did not play it. You didn't would play not it. Have, okay, would yeah. not have felt comfortable playing no, it I after mean, these, that performance. These, my reasoning between laying off this and especially like not taking the under anything is I really was under the opinion that both of these guys are just so bad. <laughs> um, and I think I didn't really see any moments from either of them I was impressed with. I know Porter worked the wrestling a little bit. I was a little bit impressed for that, especially for a heavyweight. But it's like when you look at, at the few wrestlers that are at heavyweight, Parker Porter significantly below their their tier like a Curtis Blades type so I I don't know man I don't know if Parker Porter can make a name for himself at 65 and I think Alan Baudot is on his way out yeah I don't think we will see either of these guys knocking on the door of rankings at all um I just Parker Porter was just less bad than Alan Baudot was on that night able to get his game plan off more but not so much something that I was impressed by I couldn't agree more and so we teased Dan too earlier about how we had a lot of ankle locks we were deciding between and we settled on Kyle Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett to end inside the distance. I think it was either a slight minus or a slight plus. Plus. Plus one. That was a, plus, plus one. That was a doggy. And an inside the distance, indeed. Four minutes and 59.99999 seconds of the first round. He he locked up that Dars choking and got the tap, which is just incredible. But yeah, I mean, that's really the storyline for me is just at the end. I think the only person who might have a tap with less time is Magomed Ankalaev against Paul Craig. Those two are the ones where I'm just like, if you hold off a second, you're good to go. It was crazy. It really was. And I, I think that he came out afterwards and was saying that the reason he tapped was his tongue was caught in between his mouthpiece and, and his bottom teeth, which is just a little bit crazy. Like you just said, it feels like he waited another half second, another breath. And, and 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 the interesting thing for me now that I'm remembering it too, he had to kind of dig his arm out of the like chest of Kyle Dawkins. It wasn't so much that like he it like, wasn't he a convenient tap. tap. He had right, like work exactly. to even start to tap. He, right. he decided that he was gonna tap with like a second or two left, and then like almost didn't get it in the round almost ended before he got it done and, and he, got he could have bought himself another round I know and, and you were mentioning as a lot of people were mentioning once it once you saw Pickett or not Pickett Dawkins start to cinch it up you're like oh well there's not enough time left I thought the same thing through my head he started cinching up at like eight seconds didn't Dawkins uh, say like he, he's like asleep I don't I don't know I, if you listen back, he said like he's out. He's out. I mean, but but he did yeah, he tap. Tapped. He couldn't he have been. No, but even tapped. before he tapped, if you listen back right before he tapped, either someone on the like by the cage, whatever it was, said he, he he's out. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure he stopped fighting, went limp, and was like, "I got to figure out how to get my tongue out of my teeth." <laughs> if that was the case, but yeah, this one just had inside the distance written all over it, just with Pickett's fight style and Dawkins' smothering. Also. I love this. Dawkins in his post-fight presser mentioned second best post-fight presser behind Jonathan Pierce asking his coaches for who to call out. Kyle Dawkins wants to be called the Darst Knight, which I think is just sick. <laughs> he's awesome. The, he's, he's a Darst Incredible. Knight. So Kyle Darst Knight Dawkins, I'm a fan of that. 50K for the Darst Knight. Wait a second, though. So we have another one. Four performance bonuses. bonuses. Yeah, because this one had to. Jamail Hill, first round, two minutes and 55 seconds, KO, overhand right over Johnny Walker. 
And Can't wait for the UFC strike to come out of this one. Oh my gosh. It is just a guy who, if you trust falled and there was no one behind you, that is what happened. I mean, it was just a straight plank backwards. I know that there's a lot of memes going around. Jamel Hill actually addressed it. I mean, I don't even know what to make of this because it wasn't like it was flush on the chin or something. It was like forehead slash temple. I, I, is this even above the temple? It almost I mean, reminded no. me of the Edson Barboza knockout. Burgos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a little delayed, but it just felt like he, his body turned off. I know. And that's what scares me is, is this Johnny Walker having a lot of knockouts or is this Jamail Hill just truly having un, ungodly power? Cause he finished Crute like a fast too. And Crute's not an easy guy to put out, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely way excited about Jabal Hill. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I, I, was gonna say, I, had, just, I had a moment there. Yeah. I had a moment there. Go no, cut it, that. But all in all, this is going to be a, a win that I think ages well. I don't think, I, I hope we haven't seen the last of Johnny Walker. I just hope he takes a little bit of break to kind of recover to the dome. But I don't know. I mean, I know Jam- uh, Jamal Hill slid into top 15. Johnny Walker still sells, puts butts in seats, in my opinion. But all in all, I think it was a great main event to, to an overall good card that, that surprised a lot of people. Do you think there's a chance Johnny Walker, I know he's made a move to SBG Ireland and is trying to be more reserved and it kind of hasn't worked exactly how he wanted. Do you think he goes back to being the guy that just puts butts in seats and maybe isn't a title contender anymore? The question is, can he afford it? Because he's four, he's one in four in his last five. So the the real question comes down to, can he afford it? I mean, because if he loses again, I don't know if Dana's going to, I mean, he's cutting guys for a lot less. Johnny Walker is an exciting draw for sure. And and he'll absolutely find a home somewhere else. That part doesn't, I'm, I'm a million percent sure of, but what the fuck? Um, sorry, but yeah, I don't know. Just weird. News and notes. News and notes. It is take it over country club. All right, not a whole lot of action this week, but oh, we'll, we'll tee up a few of these, um, and we'll go in order like we usually try to. But this week we've got obviously Bobby Green filling in for Benil Dariush. We talked about that last week. We have a little bit more news on that. It's actually going to be fought at 160, a catch weight instead of 155. Um, so call that out real quick, and maybe some good news also for Dariush who apparently got a couple of different opinions on his knee and he might avoid surgery after all on his semi broken fibula um, must not be that broken if he can avoid surgery. So I, I, I don't mean to laugh at it, but potentially good news. Yeah. Um, the following week at UFC 273, we have Umar Numagomedov and Brian Kelleher. We talked about that fight being announced, but it's actually being fought at 145 instead of 35. I think both those guys are natural 35ers. Okay. But food for thought. Yeah, we I mean, have... it's, it's, it's such a weird sport because we talk about natural 35ers, but they walk around at 160. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Right. Uh, and I know that there's some Bellator steam going on because someone in the main event of their last card posted a video of him cutting weight that was very graphic. Um, and so he's getting some backlash. He actually got a medical suspension because 
of how bad the video footage was of like his struggle to get down to the weight. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, people have been talking about weight cutting being, being gone for a decade now. So who, who the hell knows? Um, I actually, I correct myself. I think I said 273, but that's actually 272 next week, March 5th. Um, April 16th, Jordan Levitt and Victor Martinez. Hmm. Yeah, Jordan Levitt is exciting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to sell anybody on it. It's fine. No, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm like, Jordan, Jordan Levitt's good, a decent draw. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, is um, that the curtain jerker though? <laughs> probably. probably. <laughs> it's definitely not a main card fight. Um, Joe Lozon, Donald Cerrone. Obviously we talked about that one, but it got moved to May 7th on UFC 274 cards. So that'll probably be a main card fight. You'd think, right? Just, it's got to be as long as I, I thought you were about to say it got canceled and I was really nervous. Oh no. I was about to say, Danny, is it embarrassing that I'm excited for that fight or no? Oh, I, I'm very excited for All that right, good, fight. Good, good, not, good. not so much like, I mean, I was excited for the, whatever, Nate Diaz, Robbie Lawler. It's the same kind of way. I just love these guys. I like seeing them compete. Yeah. And I miss, I miss Joe too. Joe, Joe went out on weird terms. So. We had some action on Twitter already this week about this next announcement, but Nick Maximov and Andre Petrosky. That oh, is. Oh yeah, we. Oh, Hungry Harry was going on about that, wasn't he? Yeah, he had something going. May fourteenth. Wow. It's an interesting grappling matchup for real. Both guys have kind of been gassers. I'm interested to see where that line kind of shakes out. I do think Hungry Harry's in the right direction. I think Maximov's gonna be the favorite, but I don't know. Omar Morales and Euros Medic, 521, May 21st. Man, pass. That's the last fight announcement we have. The only other news notes that I have is I was going to get – I'm already regretting saying this out loud. I just wanted to give Danny the floor for a second to talk about UFC Strike Pass, and I'm going to mute myself and just let you guys take it from here. Already botching the name too, so I'm glad Kobe's not taking over. What did I say? Strike pass? You said UFC strike pass, which is like fight pass. We just put strike in it. I'm pretty sure it's just UFC strike. That's correct. Reese. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, UFC strike. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say. It's their UFC NFT kind of game. And I don't super understand NFTs, but now I'm super invested after pulling some kind of crazy lottery pick championship moment. And I couldn't be happier. Valentina Shevchenko bullet team forever. But, um, yeah, buy, buy the UFC strike stuff, and, and I'll be a billionaire. Hopefully, I can, this can be my retirement. Let's do it. Yeah, what you got to do is you got to crank up the uh, – you got you to gotta sell the Valentinas so everyone just keeps buying them until you're the only one that they can get to. But pull, pull the big one, 2600 out of the pack that he got for free, which is just incredible. Oh, and he mentioned pre-pod that he's putting every cent back into the product so or, you know, we're buying all the topurias we're buying all the guns there's some great fighters some here vases, a I little bit cheaper than they should be some shoey vases are going to be in that wallet which is nice so all around good wins okay permission to advance sir as news and notes over putting closing that advance. page vegas 49 3 p.m prelim 6 p.m main card okay Vegas, 49, 3 p.m. prelims, oh, come on. I mean, like, am I the only I, – I know I don't want to, like, beat a dead horse here, but it's like 
am I the only one who's getting kind of like frustrated because this fight night this Saturday was over at 8.30 p.m. I'm not in the business of that because then people are like, oh, hey, let's go out. Let's go to a bar. And I, I don't want to do that. I want to ha have my night spoken for. And I no longer do, which is pissing me off. So come on, ESPN. With these undercards, though, I'm, I'm all right with them being in some afternoon fights. Yeah, I guess. But Islam Makachev versus Bobby Green is going to start at 8 o'clock. Like, that's some cheese. All right. Well, let's get into it. So... 12 fight card starting here at 3 p.m. UFC Vegas 49. There we go. See, counting. Got it. So the first big chunk here, Dan, I'm going to need you to carry on your back. We got Victor Altamarino versus Carlos Hernandez. And the line, don't have my best fight odds open, which is actually my homepage, believe it or not. So I'm not sure about that. Um Victor is plus 120. Carlos Hernandez is minus 140. The line, though, was flipped at open. It was 150 for Alter, uh, Victor Altamirano and plus 130 for Carlos Hernandez. So sharp action coming in on Hernandez. Dan, are you? do you agree with them? Because you are the king of all – I mean, you're the sharp of all sharps. So what's going on with the movie? I do love me some curtain jerkers. I do lean Hernandez. I will I will be staying away from this fight. This is one of my least favorite things that the UFC does in terms of matchmaking. Dana White Contender Series, non-contract versus Dana White Contender Series, non-contract, both coming off split decision wins. It just feels like it's a Contender Series fight. Um, what I, from what I saw from the little tape I watched, Alta Marino has really bad takedown defense, but is decently active off his back. We talk a lot about how that's not a great strategy in terms of winning rounds. So I, I, I lean Hernandez. He's the better striker. He's the potential to land some takedowns and, and have some top control moments. But this is not something where I'm going to be putting my money down. There you go. And yeah, I mean, whenever someone struggles, I was going to say potentially the over, I mean, a 125, I'm sure it's a heavy minus and, and you never know what can happen. Okay. So, Ramiz Brahimaj versus Michael Gilmore is next on the docket. And Brahimaj is minus 380. Gilmore plus 315 over at five dimes. Wow. Uh, and it's come down a little bit from its 400 open. But but when I mean little bit, I mean a little bit. Not a whole lot of movement there. I think that this is a pretty accurately lined fight, to be honest. Um, there are some people that are concerned because of the Court McGee loss, but that's we say it all the time. We said it earlier on this episode. Experience and being a veteran pays a lot. And that was just kind of Ramiz being served a veteran humble pie. But we saw before Sasha Palatnikov, a guy who I think is actually a way better fighter than Michael Gilmore. Ramiz went through like butter. Um, I, I kind of, all the top I've, all the tape that I've seen from Gilmore, including yeah. the tough stuff, it's just awful. It seems like he did the UFC a favor by coming in at short notice and fighting Urbina and tough and whatnot, taking an L. And these seem to these fights seem to be the UFC returning that favor. I think that Urbina can sub Gilmore. Ramiz is gonna have no problem. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm so my big takeaway, Dan, I actually stopped taping after the McGee fight for Brahimaj because I, I, and I know, again, we talk about it. The McGee fight is like, 
of a veteran humbling, but I don't want to lay the 400 on Brahimaj, but I also have zero inclination to bet Gilmore. I mean, Gilmore has shown me nothing. I think, I think a sub is, is a decent prop. There you go. So prop props could be an angle, but you heard it. You heard it here for, or I mean, I don't know why I was going to say, I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth with the Michael Gilmore, you know, they, you scratch our back and take this fight on short notice. We'll scratch yours and give you another one. I don't see his mainstay in the UFC being very long six and four to middleweight two. It's, it's almost a little bit shocking that he's here to begin with. So yeah, at the very least a parlay piece. Yeah. Okay. So now, now we're starting to get into some fights with, that that a lot of people should know, especially if you listen to this. Alejandro Perez is taking on Jonathan Martinez. And I believe this fight got moved from an earlier card. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure on that, though. And Jonathan sure. Martinez is still minus 240. Alejandro Perez is plus 200. And the line moved a little bit in Martinez's favor. Not a whole lot. All in all, though, Dan... It comes down to can Perez weather the storm of low calf kicks and range striking that Martinez presents at 35? Because it's, it's he's a weird fight, but we've seen people be able to best him, and and, and most notably Davy Grant, who was a 300 or 400 dog. Can Alejandro Perez weather that? I don't think that Perez has the same kind of power and is the same threat for a knockout as Davy Grant was. Mm. And That's I do a huge think takeaway then, because that would be his best path to victory. In my opinion, mm-hmm. especially watching, I, I watched the Cody Stamen fight that he ended up losing and the song Yudong fight also uh, one that he ended up losing. It seems like Jonathan Martinez can, although he's not near as good of a wrestler as those two guys, he can present a similar style. Exactly. I think that he's better at defending takedowns than the takedown threat that Perez poses. And so I think he'll keep him at kickboxing range and do some work from the outside. Like you said, with the calf kicks, do the jab, probably some teep kicks to keep Perez at bay. And I don't think Perez is going to be able to land a bunch of takedowns or keep Jonathan down. Yeah. And, and so do you have a spot here? I mean, Jonathan Martinez, by decision or or is this just uh enjoy this enjoy the fight for what it is i think martinez by decision could be a play i that's not one i had uh circled going in but i'd love to review the numbers and maybe add it to my card later in the week yeah just as we were talking about it it kind of popped into my head is that could be a play but he man his his low calf strikes and and his his precision from range really could be a tough draw and could get someone out of there pretty easily. I mean, he's shown it before. Okay, Dan. So we're going to make, I'm going to make the announcement now, Danny and I, we talked a lot of different possibilities. This fights, this fight card as a whole is an interesting one. We haven't officially settled in on an ankle lock, but, but this was one we teased. So it's definitely worth looking into. I cannot emphasize enough. Stay alert to Twitter. That is where all this lock ankle lock information, which is four and one plus 16 units comes out. It's where all of our fight picks get dropped pre-fight for free completely. All you gotta do is just drop the follow to dank wagers, Kingpin MMA, or uh, the, the, the best of the best at the ankle pick pod. But so we were, we were teasing the idea of Zaim versus McKinney in the distance. And we'll get into why in a second. 
Terrence McKinney is taking on uh, Viraz Zaim at 155, and the line is pretty much close to even. Zaim is minus 125, McKinney plus 105. It opened at 180 for McKinney, plus 155 for Zaim. Then the fight got rescheduled, and it reopened at 110 each way and has now made its way to, to where it is now, which is uh, Zaim is a slight favorite. And this is a spot where I'm kind of eyeing – this isn't the play that Reese alluded to, but I am kind of leaning towards Terrence McKinney in this spot. Ziam is a, is a kickboxer kind of coming into his own, and McKinney's going to try and take him down and sub him early until he gasses or maybe land some ground and pound. Um, I think that McKinney has a big-time grappling advantage, but like I just said, he is a big-time risk of gassing early. And – when he does, or if he does, if this fight goes past like one and a half, this could be actually a live bet spot for me on Ziam. I think he's going to light him up in the later rounds as McKinney slows, which is why what we came to was the under two and a half as the best bet for the, for the fight. I think it's sitting around minus 140, minus 145. But um, like I said, I think there's a lot of possibility for McKinney to get an early finish. And I think there's a lot of possibility for McKinney to gas and get just lit up by a really, really precise kickboxer as this fight goes late. I just, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I kind of like Zaim here. And that's a little bit where the action's dictating. I, I wouldn't take it be just because of the, the power that McKinney's shown. So, I don't really know how to play this fight other than that potential under that you were saying, but Dan, this is a total side tangent and it's only going to take two seconds, but has anyone ever gotten cut from the UFC being undefeated at two and zero in the UFC? I have no idea. I didn't no. think so either, but I was looking at Frost Saeem's record and he lost to a guy named Don Mage familiar with the name. Mm -hmm. Well, he beat T Edwards in the UFC with a, with a, KO in the first or in the second round. Then he beat Vras Saim, the unanimous decision at Habib Poirier. Guess what? He's currently fighting for PFL without ever losing. So I, I don't know what to make of that. I think it, there was four canceled bouts in a row. So I don't know if that played a factor. Probably did. But yeah, I sorry. Total random no tangent, but I've never seen that before of a guy winning two fights in a row and then getting the getting the, the pink slip. Okay. But don't, don't piss off Uncle Dana. I'm telling you, man. There were four, a couple uh, canceled fights between, like, Sarukian and a couple tough draws. I wouldn't be surprised if Major's like, I don't want those. And Dana's like, all right, you're, you're gone. I'm not. I'm not Kutate Ladze, too, he, I saw in those Kutate canceled fights. He did that to Yair Rodriguez. I don't know if you remember that, but Yair Rodriguez kept turning down fights, like really tough fights. Like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Dana White just cut him randomly one day. He ended up making his way back in, obviously, and being a draw. But Dana White does not take that shit. Okay, I have, and Dan, this is not, I'm not lying here. I'm going to tell you straight. I have zero notes on this one. None. Didn't want to tape for it. Didn't watch it. So we'll see if you do. I'm not going to extrapolate. I'm going to read exactly what I have written down. Okay, Josain Nunez versus Ramona Pascual, Pascual, Pascal, I think I'm going with. For a women's featherweight, 145-pound bout, and the line <laughs> is, I don't fucking know. I don't, oh, minus 275 Nunez. No, that's good. I, dude, the line's not on. So no line. Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. 210 for Nunez, 
Pascal is plus 175. So here are my notes. Give us a winner, Dan. Pasquale, better grappler. Dogger pass. Easy value. Nunez is heavy puncher. We saw how that worked for the other Nunez. <laughs> End of notes. I love it. Word for word, what's written on my doc. I just wanted to keep this as quick as possible. The other Dogger pass too, here. The other thing too is I am like a huge fader of Bay Malecki. I don't know if you're familiar with who she is. That Sweden, like really tall girl with like the least the least crisp striking I've ever seen in my entire life. It is so lanky. There's It is so telegraphed. Nunes was a plus 135 dog against her. So if if Pascal is anything on the other end, she should do all right, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, you can get you can get big dog value too on top of it. So I, I don't know what to make of this, Dan. I saw it. I looked at the line, started writing down notes and said, I'm not doing this. I'm quitting. So full, yeah. I'm exposed. <laughs> If there's a capper that's got a big plan, Nunez, send him my way. I want to, I've got a lot of questions. Right. If there's a capper who has anything on this other than potentially just over. Okay. Now we're getting back, now we're getting back into some actual UFC caliber bouts here. Ignacio Bahamundes, I think he either won knockout of the year last year over Roosevelt Roberts or was a runner up fighting right zoo. Oh, no. Wrong zoo. He, he went to the wrong zoo. Uh, the 20 year old phenom out of China at 155. But the line dance surprised me. It didn't take you by as much of a surprise. Bahamunda is minus 220. Wrong zoo plus 180. It opened at 260. So it has come down. Yeah, it's come down a, a good margin closer to Wrong zoo, who we talked about on set the spread as being a potential stab. You know, he's 21 years old. There's a, he still has like a ton of growth, but. You don't see guys that young making their way into the UFC often. And so and he I came know. in as a big favorite too. I know he lost that initial one to Vargas, yeah. but I think he was something like a 250 favorite. Which is incredible. But he's fighting a guy like Bob Mundes, who came off an incredible knockout and it has the background, the kickboxing pedigree that that you that anyone would want. It's phenomenal. Um, and so I don't know if there's value on this line or not. I was trying to dig into it all week. I, I still think there might be a little bit, but it seems like the line's coming off. Stylistically, there's got to be a little value on, on Rong Zhu. He looked great on the ground in his last fight. Um, obviously, like you said, Bob Mundes is the better striker. He's going to have a lot more volume. Plus, he showed great takedown defense against Roosevelt Roberts and kind of got Roosevelt tired, and that's what teed it up for, like, t-ball of a knockout it was it was a sweet wheel kick but yeah roosevelt was really tired i do think he's going to be able to stuff some takedowns here and probably overwhelm uh wrong zoo with strikes as as wrong zoo shoots for a lot of takedowns but i think you're right that there's a little bit of value here on the on the wrong zoo side just stylistically we talk about striker versus grappler the grappler wins more than 50 percent of the time it's just the way that styles make fights um if you, think, if you think you know better than Styles and and Styles making fights, then Zoo wrong. Wait, so you, do you agree or oh Zoo? Oh my God, I got it, Kobe. Clip that chat. Clip that chat. You missed a pun of the century. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> this guy just brings it out of me. Yeah, absolute pun of the century. He topped his last pun of right Zoo. Okay. <laughs> 
now we're on the main card. That is the prelim main of or prelim capper, which is a phenomenal fight. Gregory Rodriguez to fight Armin Petrovsky at 185. And Dan, you brought up your how much you like this fight here as a potential spot. The line here is Gregory Rodriguez minus 157. Petro, Petrosian. Oh, Armin Petrosian. I said Petrovsky plus 137. Yeah, I really like. Uh, Petrosian here in that dog spot. He's an absolutely unreal striker. Should be able to light Gregory Rodriguez up. I really think that. Um, and although Gregory has looked good on the feet in his last couple of fights, like I think in his last two, he's gotten finishes or, or at least one via, I mean, because of strikes at both the um, Dusko and Jun Young Park fight. Petrosian is just a whole other animal and the only the only chance that gregory has is if he puts on a dominant grappling performance which he's capable of he he himself is a good grappler i just think petrosian has really impressed me he's uh fought a bunch of pretty decorated grapplers on in the amateur scene yeah i honestly think he'll be able to get the finish here on a shaky gregory rodriguez i that would not surprise me do you find a weight concern though? I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not jumping on the line early. I'm definitely waiting for the scale, but I think that it, as long as he wakes, makes weight this is going to be an awesome fight for him. Yeah. I do remember his contender series. Cause he came in against the 10 and O Bulgarian on the contender series and was a slight favorite and got him out of there in the first round. It was a very impressive performance. I'm assuming you watched that one. Back oh yeah. yeah. And Gregory, I mean, he's a guy that's just like, fight iq issue after fight iq issue i saw um i can't remember who but issues too there was a capper i follow on twitter that's um placing half a unit on a point deduction in this fight just because rodriguez is is just such a wild card and and sticks his fingers out every time he's defending a strike why do i feel like that could be the worst bet ever but who knows what was the line on that do you remember i had something like plus two thousand three (laughs) thousand I mean, hey, if there's a fighter to do it on. Won't see my card. Maybe he doubles down as a half unit that Wellington Terman has the same problem. Um, but yeah, you know what? As we break it down, you know, I, I am seeing a, 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 I am liking Petrosian a little bit more as a potential play, like as as or potential lock as we talk about it out loud. I mean, Greg Rodriguez has also had gas tank issues light heavyweight coming in to hopefully makes weight to get middleweight. So stay tuned again. That could be a play, Dan. Okay. So we go same flag, same country. We go from Armin Petrusian to Armin Sarukian. Uh, he's fighting y'all Alvarez as what I've found is the MMA Twitter main event here. A lot of people are seemingly very excited for this fight, but I can't, I Dan, I I've looked everywhere. I do not see the line on fast fight odds. Um, I thought I saw it down in the future fights by the misspelled Calvin Cater that they've never cleared, yeah, but I think good. it's sitting around. Oh, like I see. 220. Yeah. That man, it's all, all out of whack. So it's, it's 225 on five dimes. We'll keep it standard. 185 plus 185 for Yoel Alvarez on the other side. Dan, we've mentioned this before and I, I do really think it's true. We might not get Saruki in at minus 200 again. That's that's we talked about it for gone being in a similar spot. Um, unless he fights a guy like, you know, 
just with his pressure wrestling. I mean, we we talked about the Islam success he had, which is tremendous. On short notice. On short notice. This guy really is the real deal. Like he really, really is. I, I and it, I know he's 25, and we talk we talk about experience, all that stuff. But it's like, man, dude, outside that Islam loss, he's been nothing but but perfect. The question is, am, am I ready to be wrong about Joel Alvarez again? I mean, this is a guy. I think it, what was it the Gallardo fight that I watched, and I decided he <laughs> has absolutely nothing to offer like why is he here and he's just proving me wrong oh, the every Bilardo time fight? Danilo Bilardo yeah Bilardo yeah 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 I had the same I had the exact same opinion I literally was just like oh geez I'm having a mess over here I literally was just like what the fuck is this and that was after I faded him hard against Ismagulov and that paid off but Ismagulov a loss has aged tremendously um yeah dude I don't know are we looking too much into that Moises finish because he looked like an absolute monster there I just he really did and he's a huge lightweight i mentioned this in the pre-show this is another one where i don't think you can bet it until weigh-ins because alvarez missed weight in his last two he's a huge lightweight reese reese mentioned that he thinks he'll end up at 170 um man it, it seems any and you watch sorry sarukian who as good as he is he had to take Frivola down 10 times because Frivola got up nine. It's not like Sarukian is as great of a pressure wrestler, is as great as, as just keeping top control as other Dagestani wrestlers we've seen. Um, I don't want to bring up Khabib, but Islam's on this card. And it, it's just different style of, of top pressure that I don't think Sarukian has. And however, it is huge and really strong and a really great jujitsu practitioner. I'm curious to see if, if what we've seen in the past, him kind of selling out for subs happened because that I think is a losing strategy. Sarukian is going to hold him down if he sells out for subs, but I think he's athletic enough to be a really, just be a problem. I'm nervous about this fight. I got to be honest. You have a different opinion than, than I do, Dan, because I'm not sold on Yoel Alvarez yet, even with that Tiago Moise's performance. I'm not sold. I'm just scared. Scared? but And so you're scared enough where you think 220 is too much of a price to pay on Sarukian? Because you're a bigger Sarukian guy than I am. So if you're scared, then I am now subsequently scared. I I don't know. I really, I really, I'm really nervous. I, I keep saying how nervous I am, and that's it, like, I wish I could give more in-depth analysis, but Sarukian is probably the better striker than him. Sarukian is the better grappler. Uh, Styles, I mean, Joel's going to spend more time on his back naturally because that's where he feels more comfortable. But man, am I nervous. Maybe Sarukian. I'm going to go, I'm, hold on, I'm going down to the future lines. I want to see Sarukian by decision. Almost all of his UFC wins, except his last one, have come via decision. I do think the longer this fight goes, the better for, for Sarukian. I agree, because it'll be nothing but top pressure. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, again, with, that, with, that, with the same thing, is, is Alvarez is so dangerous off his back. You're holding your breath halfway through round three with them working off the back still. But it's plus 185. I don't know. I think the minus 220 is a better line. 
But as always, stay tuned to Twitter. That really is where you're going to get the most up-to-date live free capper picks. Or follow us at the Bet Tip MMA or betmmatips.net.org. I think it's a government organization. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's actually betmma.tips. Let's not confuse the people. Betmma.tips. Okay. Also, Danny, we joked about this fight pre-fight. This fight is higher up on the card than the Armin Saruki and Yoel Alvarez fight. It is Priscilla Cachuea, the most significant strike disadvantage in the history when she fought Bullet Shevchenko. Coming off of a loss where she tried to eye gouge Jillian Robertson twice. Yes, I really didn't think we'd ever see this chick yeah, again. Yeah, from, from the ground too. And she's fighting Ji Yoon Kim, who also is on a two-fight skit of her own. Not, this is a fight that for being the third fight on the card, I am not rushing to get back to the couch. I, I, I might spend my time getting beers, but it's, it's Ji Young Kim minus 165, Kashuea plus 145. And I actually am playing that, that Ji Young Kim line. If, if I'm betting it, I, I'm sorry, I phrased that wrong. I might not be betting this at all, but that is the side I'm on. I, 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 I want nothing to do with Kashuea since being in the UFC, she has shown me nothing to write home about. So it's it's Ji Young Kim or pass. And I know that defies science. So it ultimately will be a pass. <laughs> but what a what a bad fight to be ahead of Saruki and Yoel Alvarez. It actually kind of upsets me. Yeah, I'm dogger pass here. I don't think that listeners are too surprised. Kim, I see, is the more technical and precise fighter, but Priscilla is going to move forward and that's going to look good in front of the judges. And I don't know. I kind of think that Kim needs to fight a perfect fight, staying on the outside and have just way more output output to get the decision. And I don't feel comfortable touching anywhere near this fight. So it's not ankle lock worthy? Not for me. What about 10 units on Keshwaya plus 125 for a standing guillotine? Or plus 525? Or plus 10,000? Standing guillotine for Shula Keshwaya? No? I like that number. I feel like I would have, I would make up the 10 units eventually. I, I can't pass that up. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you could dump all your winnings into the USC strike version of that. <laughs> if, if, if Armin Sarukian had a UFC strike, would you be buying more or less of him than Ilya Tapuria? More the- Tapuria, 145 is weaker, slightly. Okay. There you go. So investment advice. Not we're we're not only cappers. We're also inve- We're also NFT UFC investors. Exclusive like non NFT NFT experts. We joke about it, but Dan actually has a, a legitimate portfolio going on over there with that Shevchenko hit. All right, ready? Co-main event. This is I don't even know what to make of this. So I'm not even going to give it an introduction. Misha Serkinov versus Wellington Terman at 185. This line surprised me. I had Serkinov at a big favorite and set the spread. I was wrong. It's basically even. It's 117 for Misha Serkinov, plus 103 for Wellington Terman. But you see like minus 120, minus 105, uh, uh, kind of across the board. So it's right around that minus 120 range. I really like Serkinov, Dan. And I'm a guy who's who for every single Wellington Terman fight, I've been on the side. Like I liked or leaned Wellington Terman. I think this is actually a fight that Misha Serkinov can get his career back on track. He struggled a lot, but everything he brings to the table, he, I 
give him a slight advantage over Wellington Terman. I don't really know where Wellington Terman's going to beat him. I looked time and time again to try to figure out a game plan slash script for Wellington Terman. And from everything he's shown us in the UFC, he's a, he has a grapple-heavy approach. He's a phenomenal, I mean, just like every Brazilian, phenomenal off his back. But it's like he's losing to Andrew Sanchez, not in the UFC anymore. Losing to Carl Robertson, not in the UFC anymore. Um, getting absolutely manhandled and plummeted by Bruno Silva. Barely, barely escaping out of a decision with Sam Alvey, although it was multiple infractions. It, the scorecard doesn't do it justice. But but this is the type of guy we're dealing with. And I know Misha Serkinov has struggled. I know he's tried to change weight to 205 and has come back down. The Ryan Span loss is very concerning to me. But, dude, he, he's Peruvian necktying Jimmy Crute, who I hold in a, in a high-ish self, uh, or high-ish esteem. I... I, I I like, I like Serkinov, man. I would love for you to tell me why I'm wrong because I don't love betting a guy who's one in two in, man, he's two in six in his last eight, but I just cannot see it. I wish I had prepped a devil's advocate, but I kind of see it the way you are. This is a, now hard. the second time we're seeing Misha at 185 and he looked like his cardio was fine and he looked like the cut wasn't too brutal, even though it was a loss. But like you said, I think his jujitsu is better than Terman's um, not to mention we have Terman having fight IQ issues pretty much in every fight. The last one being two infractions in a minute's time with eye pokes that cost him two points. I mean, I, I really have not seen anything like that before where a guy does an infraction docks a point and then just does it again. 30 seconds later. It's, it's almost remarkable. Yeah. I, I, I see it how you see it. And I think that Serkinov is going to end up seeing my card. There is. Or, yeah, me too, Serkinov. I, 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 the more and more I dug into it this week and the more and more I looked at it, my initial inklings on the set the spread, although I was way off on the line, I really do think I was on the right track with, with where the line should be. I think it should be a lot higher. Wellington Terman getting a lot of respect from Vegas here. Or Serkinov disrespect. I don't know which way you want to take it. Okay. Main event has changed. Islam Makachev is fighting Bobby Green. This change has been like around for a while. Benel Darius is out with an injury. The line is minus 900, Dan, reasonably so. Bobby Green, I know he's he's all amped to take this fight and says he's going to be different than anyone else who took this fight before him. Not sure how he's going to get there, but look, I mean, he's a gangster. Props to him for stepping up on a on a, a what 16 hour notice from his last fight and just taking this thing. But I just look Islam Makachev by smother. I mean, that's just really what it is at this point. I, so I tweeted out earlier, someone's got to stop me from betting Bobby green this week. And obviously that's a little bit of a steamed take and I will not be betting Bobby green this week. Because <laughs> ultimately I know that this fight's going to end one way and that's with Islam's hand raised. But I do think Bobby Green's going to be a little bit tougher than people are giving him credit for. But but can I ask, and I don't want to spend too much time on a minus 900 with no real play, but can you tell me how it's going to be tougher? How is he going to be tougher than like a Dan Hooker? So although Dan Hooker is the better striker than Bobby Green, I think Dan Hooker is a lot easier to kind of have mentally give up Bobby Ooh. green is going to get taken down 
and be like, motherfucker, I'm getting right back up. And he's going to put an elbow into Islam's throat. And it's not going to be like just one takedown in a sub. It's not going to be just, I, I know you said by some other, and that's how the fight is going to go. But I think it's going to go for maybe 10, 15 minutes before that smother happens. I think Bobby Green, especially the way we see him fight, hands down, he's ready for that takedown. I think he's going to tag Islam a couple times. I don't know if he's going to hurt him. I don't know if I'm, I'm not sitting here saying like Bobby Green knockout. Although we've seen Islam get knocked out before. I'm not saying it's impossible. I was about to say it, it happened. I was about to say that would be the path. I mean, Islam's 21 and one and his one loss happened to be in his UFC debut against Adriano Martins. And it I'm was not a, saying that it's impossible. It was a first round knockout. I tend to think that the best bets in this are with the over one and a half that's sitting right at like minus 165. Um, The over two and a half is at plus 110. You're getting dog money that this goes into the third round or past the halfway point in the third round. That could be a way to play this. I think that this is going to be tougher for Islam than people are thinking. We, I mean, this is a guy that we just saw go 25 minutes with Islam or with Tiago Moises. Bobby Green's a gamer. Bobby Green's got the attitude that, like, is just not going to give up. He's going to fight. He's going to punch Islam in the face, as he said. And I do think that this ultimately ends with one way, Islam getting his hand raised. It's going to be a little tougher than people think. I honestly don't disagree with you on that overplay. I really don't. Those those are juicy lines. I think I'll see myself on the minus 165 over one and a half. This fight going eight and a half minutes against a gamer. And there are concerns. I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, Bobby Green, like he's the best guy. Islam has fought far from it. And quick turnaround, double weight cut. It's not easy to like, like, like Bobby Green said on uh, Helwani, it's not easy, easy to go from all you can eat sushi to cutting weight. It's just not easy. No. I think this guy's got that dog in him. I, I actually really, you, you sold me because I was coming in with, with not having a take like that of, of this is an unbettable fight, but I do like the over here. All right. So that's going to do it for us. We have some, some good stuff in the, in the docket coming up with a, with a special interview coming. And then we got some set the spreads and, and we're going to continue we'll on be the live. Night. What not this Saturday, but next Saturday for live, 272. A couple Saturdays, just a lot of good stuff happening with the ankle pick boys. And I think that'll do it for this week's recap news and notes and upcoming fight night. Poha. Danny Watson. Oh, you you got to give me the Poha tonight. Take it. Take it. Danny's got it. Go for it. This Poha is for Valentina Shevchenko. Oh, yeah. I, I, sh- I should be doing a fucking like spin move pirouette while I do this, but Poha for the fucking boy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.